If you haven't already, please like, rate, review, subscribe to the Something Positive for Positive People podcast. And if you have the means to do so and want to support our ongoing work, please leave us a donation. You can figure out the ways to do so by visiting www.spfpp.org. What you are supporting is our ongoing advocacy uh, to combat HSV stigma from within. We want people who come here to be able to dissolve stigma within themselves and uh, dissolve any internalized stigma so that they can go on to create allyship from within their respective communities, starting within our community, so that we can get to a place where people who receive a herpes disclosure from someone are able to be more receptive to it. And when people are diagnosed with HSV, then they are already equipped with this new framework that directly challenges stigma so that they can move on. And of course, we're trying to get people back into therapy and connected to support resources. So if you haven't already and you have the means to do so, please consider donating. Like I did that early, just in case y'all don't make it to the end of the episode. And now you got to hear that ad at the very beginning. Bam. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain, and as you have already gathered, <laughs> we're 501c3 nonprofit organization that supports people navigating herpes stigma by connecting them to mental health resources and just community support if they need it. Today I'm here with Dr. Rob, and we're continuing the series on navigating queerness, blackness, and manliness or masculinity, depending on you know where we are in the conversation, depends on how I talk about it. The more that I speak to this intersection of identities, which you just gave me language for, thank you, um, the more clear it becomes. So before I just dive into the graphic, because that'll be what's associated with this uh, episode title, before I go into that, like, can you give me your intro, Dr. Rob? Like, how long have you been practicing? Um, how long have sure. you, give me your letters behind your name and how long you've been practicing. Sure, sure, appreciate it. So, um, my name is Dr. Robert Campbell. Uh, I been, I got graduated with my PsyD in clinical psychology. This was back in 2020, so I'm, you know, still, like, wet beyond the years, so to speak. Um, so, um, soon be licensed as well. I'm still waiting on the powers that be to, you know, like kind of give me like the, the nighting, so to speak, uh, pass the licensing exam and everything. So just waiting on that. Um, but, you know, I've been practicing and like, you know, just like through training, um, let's count those like probably about like five years or so. I've uh, worked with a number of different people in a number of different settings. So specifically, like I like to say, like I'm more of, more of a generalist right now. I work with anybody that's like 18 plus. Uh, so mostly adults. And I've worked with a number of different settings, so this has been, um, I'm coming to you by way of, uh, well, I'm based in Philadelphia right now, uh, but I've, I did my, uh, my graduate training in South Florida um, at Nova Southeastern University, and then through my training, I did um, a number of different placements, so I did, like, at the, um, a few VAs down there, um, the, the Veterans Administration Hospitals, um, a couple university counseling centers as well. And a specialty trauma clinic as well, dealing with a lot of people who endure, like, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and things like that. Perfect. Thank you so much for that detailed intro. Now, the reason that I reached out to you, when you and I have been in contact over Instagram for a bit now, um, I was creating this triangle, the diagram that's associated with this podcast. And I was, I had my straightness challenged in a way. 
and in the way that my straightness was challenged by someone who is part of the queer community made me have this thought i don't think that this person like i I think people forget that i'm black and how those three things sort of challenge one another in my experience so my blackness my manliness and my proximity to queerness are three things that directly challenge one another and i was looking for potentially other black men who can relate and when i went to your page i saw the letters behind your name and i was like oh shit you know he might be able to speak to this a little bit more from like a clinical perspective because i've spoken to a friend of mine one-on-one who has a shared experience with um being a black man and not you know the traditional uh version of whatever it means to be black in the sense of oh you ain't black black and as far as being manly, not a traditional alpha hyper masculine man, but also yeah. not necessarily belonging in queer spaces or feeling a sense of belonging because of his straightness. And I feel like that's kind of been what my experience is. And in our conversation, he brought up Childish Gambino as like an oh. example of role, right? Yeah, or a role and model yo, of that. Yo, it's, Go ahead. It's, it's wild when you say that because um, Childish Gambino one of my favorite artists my dog is named Vino so like so you know like that is like I am like a stan so but I, 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 like, I saw that my, my eyes just like lit up but like go on my bad no no that's I mean and that's how he was when I defined queerness I um I defined queerness in a way that to me it rejects the status quo the expectations yeah. of labels on people it's like you are challenging what you're supposed to do quote unquote and i used to think of it as you're a member of the lgbt community and then as i began to become an ally i learned oh okay well if you're queer you're just not straight and for my most Uh recent definition of being connected to and being in queer communities like people have been like your my politics are queer the fact that i'm actively attempting to dismantle stigma and challenge the status quo in how people view sex and how we have important communication discussions, how I practice non-monogamy. Like these are all things that are queer. And so to me, it's just never felt right because it was like, I'm straight. Like I can't be queer. Right. And in the creation of that diagram, I realized that those three identities are social constructs that have been projected onto me and I thought that I needed to find a way to bring these things together in order to create a new label but what is in fact happening is that through challenging what other people are telling me I should be I'm finding that my masculinity is also inclusive to a healthy uh, amount of femininity my blackness is a black that doesn't have the historical or traditional values upheld by what people would say the black community and then my proximity to queerness or queerness you know however it's defined would determine whether or not i belong in that community is directly like as it's how i relate it's where my passion is it's at this point where my career is so instead of me trying to bring all three of these things together the piece in the middle which was what i thought that needed to be which is everything integrated is actually at its core just my own uniqueness like i have to 
get rid of those uh, expectations that come with the labels of being a black straight or black straight queer man, if you will, and recognize like I'm just me. What I do does not define who I am. Who I am is really just extended into my behaviors and acts. So with that description here on queerness, blackness and manliness, um, I want to take the conversation into really speaking about identity valid identity period when uh, when I when I present these things to you so you had some stuff to say in our Instagram exchange I don't want to take over this intro was already way longer than it was supposed to be and I would like to let you have some words on here otherwise it's just me venting Uh and thinking out loud so when I presented you with this you know what were your initial Uh thoughts and let's start there okay no yeah I like that um so you know, like, when I first, so I'm looking at the graphic right now myself, and I think it points to, um, a num- like, a number of different, you know, qualities, you know, when we, come, when we think about identity, um, because it's not like, you know, like, especially, like, when, it, like, if we, I think we focus on these three, you know, these, like, so, like, the idea of, like, you know, like, kind of, like, the idea of sexual orientation, you know, idea of, like, you know, being masculine or feminine presenting, you know, kind of falling, whatever, and that kind of gender-based presentation um but then also like you know like just like you know like race race and ethnicity there is like those three um labels and like they you know they do interplay of course but um i think i was also thinking honestly that you know i feel like it can be honestly lacking in a way too um because you know there's a lot of different labels so um and so this is like one of the first thing i thought about i remember i think we were doing like a voice exchange and i thought about this so there's a there's a model of identity that was developed by, I think I looked it up, you know, really just for this, um, um, Dr. Pamela Hayes, and I believe she's at Ohio State, or was at Ohio University. Um, well, um, it's called the addressing model. So it, it counts, like, a lot of the, like, of these three um, categories, so, like, a lot of, like, you know, like, when it just comes to building identity, but it also adds on other things, like, let me just pull this picture up so it's like you know like age and generation disability status whether or not you know you like you know you required a uh, disability in in your lifetime or whether or not like it's developmental um religion and spiritual orientation um socioeconomic status indigenous heritage whether or not you were born in the u.s versus you know uh, like come um, as an immigrant you know like that national origin so where do you come from like then also gender so it's so i think like that model i've really um come to you know use especially like you know, f- you know, for understanding myself as an individual, like, you know, as a as a work clinician, but then also how to identify uh, and work with my clients. So I think I think like you know I, when I say like you know like I'm not trying to like you know boo boo on like this like this specific um, graphic, but I think I just there's also I, like my first thought is like yo, there's also a lot more to think about when it comes to building identity. Um, I think when we look at these three specifically i think they do you know especially like you know as you mentioned you know like there's you mentioned you had like your masculinity challenge is that what it was yeah 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 um so and it was like i, I preface like you know i want to preface this whole conversation too, like you know like this like i know like um i, I want to call myself like a so-called like expert i've just worked with a lot of um individuals like within like you know the gender spectrum and then also like of like you know work with like you know on the sexual um, orientation spectrum as well, um, but you know I think based on what I've seen and heard, like 
it, I, I'm surprised to almost to hear that, you know, like being challenged. And I'm curious, I'm curious as to like, you know, like in what way was that specifically? Ooh, perfect. Uh, good question. So on my dating profile, I yeah. had queer friendly on my profile and uh-huh. it was a trans person that reached out and was like, Hey, you know, I don't realize, I realized that this bothered me and it's been bothering me for a few days, but you know, you have queer friendly. How would you feel if someone had black friendly on their profile? And I was like, well, two things. Well, one, like you see BLM or Black Lives Matter on people's profiles all the time. So it's technically there. But what it does for me is offer a sense of security and safety. I don't know as someone who does also date outside my race. Like, I don't know who's safe. I don't know who I can have certain conversations with, especially in just thumb swiping, right? I present as a masculine, cisgendered, heterosexual man, and I'm black. And so with that, there are stereotypes of us being like less educated in being able to speak to uh, LGBT issues. Um, And so that was where the conversation started. And it was like, well, you do all of this activism and advocacy alongside LGBT uh, community work. Why aren't you queer? Like you are queer. Right. And so I was like, "Eh, it doesn't feel right to me. And again, it just didn't feel right to me because I know that I'm heterosexual and it felt almost like my heterosexuality was being challenged, whereas like. I can't challenge you on your non-straightness, right? So here we go. And I think that a part of this was about, you know, me having to remind this person, hey, I'm also black. Like, this is different because my blackness is something that has to be taken into consideration when I'm offering a sense of safety. Like, I'm already perceived as threatening and I have to make myself less threatening, especially in the dating world by being able to showcase some form of open-mindedness, if you will, rather than just being Uh looked at. However, you know, someone may have their own preconceived notions about me based on what I look, skin color, my size and stature and my presence in a room. So to me, presenting queer friendly was, it made sense. I'm not queer in the sense where I can at least say, hey, I'm queer. So queer friendly Uh was how I went about that. And that's where- this whole like diagram became born was just through that dialogue. Okay, I hear that. Um, all right, so that's so I hear. I think like um, this point I got like a whole bunch of curiosity as to like you know because I'm thinking about like you know like, uh, people like you know can have like you know like these you know can have valid uh you know like you know like their emotions are valid but at the same time it sounds like you know like you were trying to illustrate yourself as an ally and that's fine and I think sometimes like you know we get stuck in like kind of the like the the verbiage or like kind of like the specifics of like you know what terms we use um so i wonder like the idea of distinction between like we're friendly versus we're ally i'm wondering like you know what is that potentially uh for this person but you know that that um, i don't know like where they've gone in the within like the the cyberspace you know like <laughs> bless them wherever they're at but um i think like I think like it's, it's funny, like, but like I think this conversation actually brings up a lot of interesting layers, cause like so, it's one of like, if we kind of like go like around the diagram, think like you know like if we start at the top, like so like masculinity, um, and how that interacts with the other two pieces, I think I'm thinking like you know like it's like some people like tend to 
think of masculinity and blackness like almost like hand in hand right like the idea of like you know being a black man is supposed to be like you're supposed to you know fit in a certain box like you're supposed to be like you know athletic you know like sexually aggressive or like you know like there's maybe not as intelligent sometimes to you know as as um i know like it's funny this is the first thing i'm thinking about is like like football a lot of people um, I remember back. I don't know if this is as much, but I know like back in the day, people used to consider black quarterbacks as like less talented than white quarterbacks because like black black quarterbacks are maybe like more athletic and they can like you know run, but like they don't have that quote unquote football IQ, which is you know definitely incorrect. I know like we got a whole bunch of notable names. I'm thinking like you know Lamar Jackson, Russell Russell Wilson, even my own boy like Jalen Jalen Hurts because I'm an Eagles fan. So um, it's like. I think, like, when it comes to, like, some of those, like, interactions, there's a lot of, I think, like, there's a lot of stereotypes when it comes to these things, and I think those are definitely very limiting. Like, that's, I think that's, and I think that's where, like, a lot of this conversation is, like, it's, like, the idea of calling out these limits and, you know, like, understanding, all right, do we need these limits? You know, and more often than not, from what I've, from what I've gathered, at least, like, based on my own personal experience, and then at least, like, my work with my, with my clients, like, you know, like those limits are not really helpful. Yeah, that's that's a good concept that you just mentioned here about labels being limiting, uh, because I don't want my experience as a black man limited. And by the definition of queer being to challenge stigmas, stereotypes, my very existence in rejecting those labels puts me in the category of queerness by that definition. So when I'm rejecting these two labels of what it means to be a traditional black man and the whole point of queerness is the rejection of these social labels, identities and whatnot, then that puts me closer into that category of queerness. But I still feel like as a black man that's straight, I don't belong there. So it's a matter of like looking out to see, all right, well, where do I belong? And that's kind of where... My head was starting to explode with this diagram. It's like, oh, I don't fit in mm-hmm. here. I don't fit in here. I don't fit in here. What's my yeah. place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, not, not really. I feel like, you know, I've definitely felt the same way, you know, like, because, like, in my personal experiences, like, you know, as a black male, especially, you know, like, when it comes, like, you know, like, relating to, like, you know, the LGBTQ, like, space, you know, now I'm thinking, like, you know, we're touching on that piece. Like, I know, so, like, my background is, uh, my, my heritage is Jamaican, and it's, and it's you know relatively not relatively significantly um homophobic there's a lot a lot of homophobia within like jamaican culture um i think i would like to think that things are improving you know over the over the last like five ten years but it's tough um but like and i know like growing up for me like you know the idea of like seeing like 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 the idea of being like you know gay or queer was like bad right that was definitely that's it was, it was like synonymous with that but then I've, I've known like I've also grown up with the idea of like okay why is that bad you know like that doesn't you know like you know like like that doesn't make sense like you know you just like love somebody the same same gender like what's, what's the deal there um so like I know like definitely like the idea of like kind of not assigning like like not like kind of like not um expressing those like homophobic views then automatically like you know categorizes you like it's it it's it's tough it's tough to like have that like division there you know so um but i think especially like I th- I, I'm, I'm i'm i feel fortunate to like i've had gone through 
so much like education like you know just have like a lot of inf- um, experiences like you know to point that you know like that type of thinking isn't really like helpful for, for anybody involved yeah and i think you you put it in the words that i didn't have when you said like you said Jamaican culture is very homophobic and I feel like yeah. that's how I grew up in my experience with blackness is homophobic right. like it I played sports it wasn't cool to be gay if you yeah. were a man who liked other men then you had the potential of being outcast by your community of people that you that you rock with like you can't you like playing football all right you better not be gay and like playing football because then the locker room is going to make it very uncomfortable for you and you're not going to be able to continue to play football. So it's like your livelihood is threatened through expressions or like if you don't join in on the making fun of the gay people. And this was back then, like we're talking about 10 plus years ago, uh, then you're you're like an ally and by proximity, then you're gay or you're part of that community and lumped in there. Yeah, it, and it's it's wild, like the idea of conflating. This is another thing I've I've, I've kind of like, I've had like gripes with, especially that I've noticed, um, happening more happening more recently, like maybe like especially in like social media, where like, you know, like the idea of masculinity and like sexual orientation being conflated. So like just because somebody is you know like gay or lesbian or whatever doesn't mean that they're also like the opposite gender or like you know like a different gender in, in this case so like 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 so for example like there was like this i remember there was a blowing up on twitter where like there was this young young black boy like maybe like probably like no more than like five six seven you know he's there like you know playing around with like a like a like a i guess he got like a like a set of like kitchen appliances for like like you know like you know like they have like the little tiny the kitchen like you it, like it looked like and he, the video was him like chefing it up and anything like he said like washing dishes but then he also like stirring a pot it was great it looked, it looked cool it was all stainless steel it was, it, was, it, was, it was nice but then like you know like apparently there was like this dialogue like oh like gay get him out the kitchen why don't you get him that blah 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 I was like blah I'm like like Sorry, my man can't just like just be out here just trying to like pretend to cook. Like, come on now. Like, how like how does the like how does the idea of a boy like someone who's like masculine presenting then in like doing a, in like being in the kitchen, which I guess you could say is like a traditionally feminine thing, which I do also want to challenge because like you know all the great like all the great chefs are men, but you know that's another that's a whole other thing. Um, like why is that him playing with that you know as a, at a young age? Why does that all of a sudden make him? attracted to men like that doesn't make any sense yeah you know so it's 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 it's, it's, i think like in in a way like i think like it's like these the the idea of homophobia especially in the black community has been it's it's definitely unfortunate and i could i remember i've seen where parts of it come from um like uh i don't like i know like so i've heard parts of it come from like i know like there can be like conspiracy theories where like you know some people say oh like you know like like the white man wants black people to be gay and like you know stop like the population the control like whatever the fuck right uh, can I curse on you by the way I don't know if I'm yeah yeah when you said boo- <laughs> okay. you said boo boo earlier I was like what but yeah like so like there's like that piece but then also like this some of it is also rooted like you know in like slavery. And, you know, where, like, black men were, like, raped, you know, and they called it, like, buck breaking. 
to like you know like break a man's spirit so like the idea of that and like also christianity involved there too um you know that also plays a part in there too where like you know some of the homophobia is really especially strong in the black community i don't think it's i don't think it's like exclusive to the black community but it's definitely like strong in 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 our community so man uh when you were speaking it made me think about you know like we are our part of our community because it's black communities with an s it's not just one overarching version of blackness but the expression of blackness from like the little boosie camp who has their <laughs> underage kid get twerked on by an older woman or who was it someone had oh no that was kodak black that was kodak black that had like the picture or video of this grown woman twerking on his kid like that's a kid and then with Lil Boosie talking about, yeah, I had my underage kid. There's an echo for some reason. What happened? There might be. Um, let me see what I can do. What about now? Recent echo. Your microphone is picking up from sound from speakers. Let me turn my headphones down and then maybe. All right. Maybe that can help. Oh, we should be good. It's good now? Okay. All right. Um, and then with Lil Boosie having an older woman have sex with his kid. Like, the, again, this is a kid. Wait, so that, actually, that actually happened? That, uh, yes. That was, oh, that's a story so that hard. circulated. And the homophobia is so real that it's prioritizing pedophilia, if you will. Like, we're talking about grown women who are having sex with younger, and because they're boys, I guess, it's more okay than if it wasn't because like it's that kind of shit that allows for r kelly or people like r kelly to have gotten away with what he's gotten away with for years and people who have uplifted supported this kind of blackness or community or black men in like the case where r kelly perpetuating this kind of shit and it's like when we gonna get over this when we gonna collectively get through this and i think that part of getting through this is like being able to speak to these varying identities and while yeah it's only three but being able to speak up about this kind of stuff is encouraging like this sense of acceptance to being different and not conforming to oh well this is just the way it always has been well y'all know robert robert loves them young girls you know boosie boosie ain't gonna let his kids grow up and be gay we can't i can't keep letting that shit just happen I think like it's it's interesting. There's a couple of like like directions like my head my head goes when, you, when we're talking about this this part because it's like part of me is wondering like okay like you know why is this like you know like why is this perpetuated because I think there's also this idea of like you know like you know being like hyper masculine is like being strong right and you know like I think it's you know there's been you know a lot of you know trauma within like you know the I don't, I don't, I like the fact that you mentioned, like, you know, there's, like, black communities, like, with an S, because, like, you know, we have, like, you know, people, like, all, all, all among, like, you know, like, the diaspora, so to speak, you know, whether it be, like, you know, like, uh, from, I think, I believe there was called, like, foundational black, like, people that were, you know, born and raised with, like, you know, a number of different, uh, generations, you know, within, you know, the U.S., you know, like, with descendants from slaves, but then also, like, descendants from, like, you know, like, directly from Africa, like, coming, like, 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 uh, immigrants from africa for over the past like couple years um or past couple generations rather and then you know like coming from the caribbean as well so like there's a lot of different 
like parts of like that that diaspora. So I appreciate you mentioning that. But I think like you know across that, there's been this idea that you know like you need to be strong, and I think that's been you know as a part of like you know being like because like you know like blackness is synonymous with a lot of and experienced a lot of trauma. I mean like we've seen that you know on our screens you know very much so over the past, especially like you know since uh um, the George Floyd. Um, murder way back in 20 it's been 2020 now it's like almost two years now mm-hmm. um so like the idea of like you know being strong is important you know among all like experiencing all sorts of like you know racism prejudice and societal pressure you know like it's important to do those things but then also like with that idea of you know being strong you know also you know once again limits us towards like you know not being able to have you know like variants in our identities pretty much like so like if it's like the idea of like oh if you're you have to be a masculine black straight man nothing else yeah right? like if you vary from that picture then you know there's you know something like quote-unquote wrong with you mm-hmm. and, that, and, that, and that, that sucks i just like to put it plain like it's just that's not good yeah uh i just had to look it up because there was uncertainty in my voice when i mentioned the little boosie thing he said or, it was oral sex, but a grown woman sucked off a I mean, 12, 13-year-old. <laughs> so, yeah, no, just not, for accuracy not. of the story. So, I just pulled it back <laughs> yeah. a little bit yeah, so just to make yeah, sure. I don't want, like, Boozy coming after you like, hey. Right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. But, no, nah, um, speaking to, like, the performative, let's call it that, performative blackness, performative masculinity. Let's, let's talk okay. to that. And like being hyper straight, I remember I wish that he would have let me like have this interview. I interviewed someone who is a gay black man and he was speaking very well to his experiences of performing straightness and like being black and performing straightness. And as someone who is bisexual, like he's out of the traditional sense of masculinity and he's more queer. So you've got this black bi or black homosexual man and I think that we were on the road of getting somewhere in this conversation that took place early 2020 but he didn't feel comfortable with the vulnerability that came with this dialogue so now this also speaks to uh, blackness and masculinity when we speak vulnerability like how tough it is or how not normalized it is for us to express emotions and feelings to where it's like yeah you know we getting together we having this podcast episode it's for a good reason and it's like ah you know what i'm not comfortable with that like even to say that is a vulnerable thing but how vulnerable is it to like have the conversation and again directly challenging the idea of what it means to be a black man and we're two black men we were two black men in the room only difference was I identify as straight, he identified as gay, and he has a strong sense of allyship in and with the LGBT community. I show up as an ally. We mostly in our experience share blackness in the sense of not being what it traditionally means to be black by way of, you know, having our even just being in the same room together, having dialogue. Like if someone were to watch that from the time that I grew up, where I grew up, then by proximity, either he ain't really gay or I'm not straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's that's tragic to like come to, to, to come to that conclusion. Like, like, like and it's oh god, that's so interesting. So like, yeah, so like the mention that you know, like the topic is specifically like the idea of performative blackness. 
right? Um, so, like, what is like? I guess, like, based on that, like, what is like, what does that mean? Because, like, I'm curious as to what, what that even. Man, would be. all right. So, as someone who dates outside my race, oh, this is a great example. If I'm dating a white girl who dates black dudes, and it's expected that I'm gonna ah. be a certain way. This is like a great example. Like if we're just texting and I'm like, I, I text in complete fucking sentences. I'm educated. I'm grown. Like I'm not going to text you, the letter U, R, the letter R, or use the wrong your or the wrong to or uh-huh. the wrong there. And like I see the performative hipness sometimes. And that's always been a red flag to me. It's like, oh, you like this is how you oh, talk because you think this is how I talk. You know what I mean? And so like. I've seen this with primarily in St. Louis, white women who only date black dudes and like that's how they interact or that's how they talk because they expect me to talk like that. And even in like spaces with my family, when I say performative blackness, I can point to examples there when they sent me off to college to learn how to speak well and all that shit. And then I come back home speaking well and all that shit. And they're like, hey, get out of here using them big ass words. So like, yeah, now I got to yeah. dumb it down, you know, for their comfort to be able to sit in the kitchen with my cousins and uncles and aunts who didn't go to school or, you know, who didn't have that uh-huh. education. And now like they looking at me like I'm oh, you think you better than us. And like, I have to play that down in order to be in the room with them. So like yeah I gotta uh-huh. like mix up how I talk code switching it, oh code switching I, damn that's it there you go oh yeah oh, yeah no 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 I feel that, that yeah that's what I was thinking yeah like all right no sorry yeah no I appreciate that context because like that is so like there's like idea of like you know that form performative blackness or like that code switching among our community I want like I'll, I'll touch on the the like the one of like say like the, like the white women or maybe like not black you know like using that I think like for a split second i think like that's just <sighs> i think from what i've seen and what i've gathered i think those i think sometimes you know especially our white you know individuals maybe white allies they may try to you know kind of you know kind of adopt that performative blackness you know to try to like in efforts to connect and like it just falls flat so flat <laughs> Uh, especially, especially in those like dating situations, because um, I've also like you know like dated racially in, in my past. Um, technically, I'm staying, I still am right now, um, and it's it's t- like it, like it's, it's there's a difference between like you know when it's genuine. Say like you know like because I have no problem with like you know like you know somebody else like you know like white that you know also like like grew up in like a predominantly black household or in a predominantly black neighborhood and then you know comes through with like you know the vernacular i'm like all right bet they're like i gotta see you about the culture but you know if it's like you know like you know that they don't have this background you know that this is it's like it's, it's like it's like you, you know i feel like it's not even like something you have to really and truly even like try to suss out like you just know you just know whether or not it's just so like that's toss that to the side <laughs> but like the one that's more i think like i think that's you know like we're more pertinent relevant to us is like the idea of you know that code switching among our you know like family you know when it comes to like the you know like that idea of like, you know sounding black or acting black in certain ways um like oh my god i can count so many experiences that i've had the same situation like where because you know I, like i come from like in a relatively i think like a, a well-educated family um 
And you know, like my like my like my mom's always you know talked about you know speaking the Queen's English and things like that, which is <laughs> so, so, so I always thought that was funny. So like that's always just been a part of me. Um, but then I've also like gotten questioned like, oh, like you know, you don't sound black, or like, um, oh my God, I remember there'd be times like high school, like I'd be I'd say something you know like relatively like like not in broken english in some way and like and like some white some white boy be like oh like oh I'm like I'm, I'm blacker than you because i say like this and i'm like like excuse you <laughs> like, like that don't make no sense um so like definitely i like of course like you know the of course the, the term being thrown on like being an oreo yeah too. yeah that's that's a big one like black on the outside white on the inside like that don't make no sense um it's like and like the idea and it's like that it's kind of like that once again that colonized idea of like you know education equals whiteness but that doesn't have to be yeah um on the other side too like if you kind of flip it at the same time like it also like kind of using like maybe more broken english doesn't necessarily mean that they're uneducated um in certain at the end in certain aspects in certain aspects i say that with like a little asterisk there but i think it is painful when you gotta like you know like be around your people's and then you know they look at you funny because you know you just say big words certain like certain words and they're like they kind of look at you side like look at you sideways um and so i don't like code switching you know definitely not like of course i do it you know I, like, like i've done it like you know like almost on the daily you know depending on who i'm talking to but you know i think that's just another adaptation of just what it is to be black in america you know because we need to you know conform to you know what the majority is and what the majority sounds like um at the same time you know there's also this idea that you know we don't want to distance ourselves too much from our group you know so we gotta like you know still like get back into and use some of that like they call like african i just want to actually just learn this this acronym the other day like so aave or acum african-american vernacular english I didn't realize that was like a specific thing. Like that, this was when, like, because like I think there's like you know like there's another like because I'm on social media. A lot of people, you know, were talking about the way people use words like oh, like the math isn't mathing, or like it's giving something <laughs> like 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 kind of like saying like those like that those type of words. And like you know it's just slang, but I think like it definitely has roots of course in um, black culture. So you know. I, I find it fascinating too the idea of like you know how much language you know impacts the way we, um like we're perceived among different groups too so you know but i think like you know you can also look at code switching in a way that you know it's resilient to do mm. you know does it mean like you know we're able to you know blend in and you know adapt to our uh circumstances yeah so um, it's like it's it's survival then when we speak to performative yeah. blackness like I need to be black enough to fit into my home and family life, but I need to dial down my blackness in order to not be threatening in predominantly non-black spaces. Uh, that, that's what that's what it sounded like to me. Is that kind of in the ballpark? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. All right. Um, what else is there to speak to in regards to this? So uh, I guess it, I'm I'm learning in my own experience that what it means for my blackness, like we talked about Childish Gambino earlier, like that yeah. is when I look up the word queer, the definition were the definitions were questioning or weird. 
And it was like, damn, by that definition, you know, me being black and I like Childish Gambino's music and he's a weird person and he's an artist and he doesn't go along with the grain. He has carved his own path. Like, is that what queerness is? And in that sense, I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I want to be like Childish Gambino. That's my that's my role model. And at least as far as I know, like, that's a straight black man who does yeah. things differently. Right. So in that sense, like is my sense of belonging with the outcasts who aren't necessarily fitting into the label of queerness, which appears to be a place for people who don't have a home in labels. Mm -hmm. That so that's that's interesting. I think like you bring up the idea of belonging, right? And so I'm thinking about there's a couple layers to this because I'm thinking like, all right, why are we looking at belonging? Because like you know that's important for us. Like you know like. Like, throw out all these, you know, like, these qualifiers, like, the idea of race, um, gender, age, whatever. Like, you know, like, belonging is important to us. That's, like, you know, like, one of um, Maslow's hierarchy needs. Like, you know, being able to belong, you know, to a certain group is, like, important for us. And also, too, like, you know, if in terms of evolution, you know, same way, if we were kicked out the tribe, you know, like, left out, left out in the, uh, left out in the cold, you know, you get, you either freeze to death or you get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, you know, that's just how it is, you know, so we need to belong to a certain group. Um, I think in this day and age, though, like, it's, I, I've always heard this, you know, like, the idea, like, you know, they say, like, America's like a melting pot, so to speak, and I used to enjoy that, you know, like, perspective, but at the same time, like, I remember... Um, like, kind of, there was a critique about it saying, oh, like, you know, that means, like, you know, we're homogenous, everybody looks the same. That's not the case. You know, I think I like being more of, like, uh, from what I've heard, like, the idea of being, like, almost like a salad bowl. So, like, you know, everybody's, like, mixed and match, and, you know, like, everybody has their own forms, their own flavors, their own shapes and sizes. But, you know, we're still, you know, like, you know, we're still, like, able to be, you know, one harmonious unit. And I think, you know, now in today's day and age, especially just with the way, like, political divides have been drawn, it's, you know, this going to be a hard uh, hill to climb to get to something like that, to, you know, complete harmony. But, you know, it's, I think it's important to, you know, like, to belong in some way, shape, or form. And I'm hoping, like, you know, like, I think when it comes to that, I think it's important to, like, you know, point out groups that are welcoming of you, you know, despite any sort of, like, you know, labels that are on there. So, like, I know, you know, for example, for, for me, for me and myself, I noticed, like, people around me have good like like a good thing for some amount of people i know like i have people from my training program um of all you know different races and gender orientations or in uh sexual orientations too um i know for my in my in my private practice right now i work with a, in a group practice and there's definitely a lot of like varying identities too uh which has been definitely uh really impactful for me really enjoyed like you know coming up with, especially because i'm in a area in, in philadelphia that's very diverse which is cool to see uh i think being able to surround yourself with you know not even like you know like similar like labeled people but also similar minded people so that value the idea of diversity and inclusion uh, okay so what i'm hearing in that is the the values of your social circles your communities ought to be something taken into consideration when it comes to belonging. It's not exclusively about, oh, you know, that group of black dudes over there and I'm a black dude, let me go belong with them. Oh, that's a men's yeah. group, I'm a man, let me go there. Or this uh -huh. is a queer community and I wear rainbow colors, so let me go over there. Uh -huh. So it's not superficial in any way, shape or form. 
it's about the core values that are demonstrated in the expression of the community. So in that sense, I would belong in the queer spaces because I'm directly uh, actively disrupting stigma when it comes to sexual health and communication. I belong in a men's group because I value integrity and the act of getting things done and contributing to communities and spaces that I'm in and solving problems. I belong in black spaces because I value our shit, social justice and our rights and our culture and like just what we've contributed in a sense to society from our art forms and expressions. God, I just got so excited when you were saying all that. Yeah, like, you can belong in all these spaces because, like, the values match up. It doesn't necessarily be the labels. The way you said that was fantastic. Um, because it's funny, like, as you said that, too, like, I remember there was an exercise I did in high school. Um, I think it was, it was a biology class. I don't know how this fit in the biology class. <laughs> but, like, we, like, the teacher had a stand-up. I think it was, like, maybe, like, 20-something of us. And... They had us all stand up and then, like, you know, group based on, you know, how similar, you know, like, you think you are. And I remember I was around, like, you know, like, some close friends. And, then, you know, like, I, I believe one was from Guyana. Another one was, like, a couple of them was, like, white. And, like, you know, I just hung around them, you know, I think because like, we were, like, the nerds, so to speak. Um, but then I remember, like, I was talking to them, you know, we were just talking about, like, like, talking about regular stuff. And then, you know, I remember hearing, like, you know, like, snickering from behind me. I'm like, what's going on? And I turn around, and I see all the black kids are there, like, yo, how come you didn't come over here, man? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I like, you know, here talking about, like, Pokemon. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> so, um, so, like, like, the, like, so I think the, like, the idea of like kind of like organizing ourselves based on just like you know, like these types of labels, I think is very limiting. I know I've noticed that myself too, because of you know I'm like I've I've, I've find myself like I can mix and match in a lot of different spaces. I know, um, you know I'm definitely like like I've mentioned sports here a couple of times already. Like I'm so I'm a, I have a football fan and a couple of sports, um, and I'm also a fan of like say like you know esports. So this is like you know professional video games, and you know some people like you know that would you know. Some some people that would go to esports event wouldn't go to like a regular football event, um, you know, vice versa. But like you know, I can I can mix and match there, or you know, like you know, the idea of you know being in a you know LGBTQ plus like allies allyship space, you know, like being able to blend in there, like you know that could, you know, that might you know send off like alarm bells like some other people that you know are you know quote unquote like hyper masculine, you know. So I think you know, but at the same time, I I'm proud of like my masculine identity. You know, like presenting as you know, like masculine, but at the same time, also proud of being like an an, an LGBTQ plus ally. You know, so um, it's I think like, and that's where like I, I remember I pulled up the like the addressing model too earlier. That's why I like, um, you know, being able to also look at other parts of identity because like you know like you know how old am I like how, like you know how am I able to connect with people from my generation versus like Gen Z versus Gen X versus like you know boomers, um, you know like my religion. And, you know, how much, like, like I identify as Christian, you know, I'm able to identify, I'm able to work with, you know, people who are Christian, who aren't Christian, who are maybe secular, or maybe are from a different belief, belief set. Um, the idea of, you know, even, like, and, like, identity is also not just, like, those qualities, too, um, but even, like, things like, you know, where are we from regionally, are you from the north, from the south, what part of the city are you in, what are you into, this culture in everything, you know? So it's, I think, you know, being able to, I think, like, 
with that, I've noticed I've been fortunate to be able to blend in a, a lot of different pieces, um, a lot of different like areas rather than different communities within within like my area, and then also like from where I've previously moved from. So I'm definitely fortunate from in like those aspects, but. I think like and I would encourage anybody like I encourage you and anybody that's listening to you know do the same be able to you know understand your value set and like be able to create a community based on that as opposed to like these labels. Oh, thank you for sharing that too because it brings up geography and what's in your proximity, what's available and accessible to you. So I am now in Portland, Oregon, and I'm surrounded by white people. You know, what's that Bruce Willis movie where the kids are like, more, more, more pop to you? my like, people. I'm over here like I see white people. <laughs> but success. I've a success. Yeah. Yeah. So that to me, in proximity, like my blackness is directly challenged because I'm surrounded by white people shit, right? Because there's like, I never ate sushi before I started dating outside my race. And like, I realized what I was missing out on. Like I never listened to like, like, Oh, glass animals. I fucking love glass animals. That is not exactly. Yeah. You shrug. You don't don't know who glass animals is. Uh, they're, they're a band and they, that song heat waves. You probably heard the song heat waves cause it just came on. It's like poppy or something, but like certain styles of music, uh, foods and activities like going hiking. Like I, black people, I've not hiked. I've not done yoga. And these were all things yeah. that were introduced to me because I uh-huh. was willing to, you know, step into uncharted territory for myself. Yeah. And while my blackness directly challenges doing white people shit, it's through that that I've been able to like disengage from solely identifying with any of the other aspects of my being that um, would keep me limited, like the, the limitations of what labels are. So now, you know, I'm not just a black straight dude who is an ally to queer people or who occupies queer spaces. I'm also all of those things that I'm in Portland, Oregon, surrounded by more and more white people shit. So I need to, for myself, like rather than being looked at like, oh, you know, black people don't swim, black people don't hike, black people don't uh, rock climb or any of that stuff or do yoga. You know, I feel taking it back full circle to the beginning, my demonstration of, you know, I want you to ask me, like invite me into conversation that allows for me to demonstrate my values and things that you can't look at me and just assume. So I want to challenge people's assumptions. And it seemed to me in that moment that expressing queer friendliness was a way of doing so. Because to me, like it's more than allyship. Like a lot of my friends are part of the LGBT community that I spend most of my time with. A lot of the people that I speak to on my podcast, while most of them are cisgendered, white, mostly straight women, there are a lot of queer people that I speak with on a regular basis about it as well. So it's it's more ingrained in me than allyship. Like I feel closer than an ally like a fucking elbow bump like I feel like I'm there I'm shaking hands I'm politicking for the group in the terms of sexuality and sexual health and where my work intersects so um, I don't know where I was closing that out at but when you mentioned proximity or geography that's what came to mind which was like what are you surrounded by like what's by you you know what are you 
being exposed to. And like for a lot yeah. of these people, like I'm the first black dude that they could talk to about like social justice issues, you know. And I mean, I'll argue sometimes they forget I'm black. Like people will forget that and uh-huh. cross certain boundaries or, you know, not see color, if you will, but or put, you know, people in situations yeah. that are potentially harmful and not safe. So I have to constantly perform, you know, in a way that lets you know, as someone who may not be black, hey, I'm safe, I'm safe, you know, and me, yeah. like wearing masks does not help because now I can't just smile and be like, hey, look at me, I'm safe, I'm smiling, I'm non-threatening. Now I got a mask on and it's like, you don't know what the fuck I'm like, what my face is doing, right? <laughs> so even that in a way is contributing to potential harm in my you know, versatility and adaptation of having to come off as non-threatening. So saying queer friendly was a way of being mm-hmm. non-threatening, if you will. So yeah. that, that closes that. I like, the way, I like the way you explain that, too, because it's not just like an allyship where it it does sound very clinical, very like, oh, like, you know, we're just politicking and everything. But, you know, like those are like, you know, your friends. Those are, you know, close people that are close to you. So saying queer friendly, that makes sense for you. And I think like, you know, sometimes like being I don't like I think, like, you know, labels and titles and things like that aren't, you know, important to a degree, you know, because, you know, that's just how our brain makes sense of things. But, like, at the same time, like, it's important to look look past those those words and look past those labels. Um, so, because I'm thinking I'm back about that, uh, the idea of getting hung up on the idea of using queer-friendly versus queer uh, ally. That's, like, it's kind of, it's interesting, uh, to say the least. But, like, I think, also, I'm, I'm it's true, like, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going myself, so I'm gonna just I'm gonna hand it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, so just concluding this, man, I think that what we touched on here is a good stopping point between sure. performative. I mean, performative belonging is what I would say because it's not performative blackness. It's not performative manliness. It's looking for a place that you belong in and recognizing it to be something that, you know, perhaps is performative according to society's expectations. Actively choosing not to perform manliness, blackness, queerness, you know, for the sake of meeting the expectations that are attached to those labels, which have their limitations, you know, perhaps that's where, you know, the healing takes place when you're able to defy those things and go through your own trial and error of identifying yourself and what is true to your core through those intangible aspects of yourself, your identity, what you like, what you don't like, and being willing and able to express that, then we come to realize like we're all unique. We all don't belong in a way, but we're looking for places to belong. And sometimes it has to be performative, you know, for safety reasons or for us to figure out where we do and don't belong. And then we can go there and just be, because that's really what it's about. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think, like, I like the idea of kind of, you know, f- focusing on belongingness because, you know, that's what sometimes, like, these labels can, you know, look to divide us in certain ways. And I think, like, you know, not necessarily in, like, a, you know, like, you know, we don't see color type, type of thing or, like, you know, these differences don't matter because they do because that's just, you know, that's you know, who we are. Um, you know, at the same time, like, that doesn't necessarily mean we can't connect and I think, you know, what we do all experience, I think, like, now now we're talking about, like, less of, like, these labels and more of, like, the human condition, right? You know, we all have, you know, like, certain emotions. We all feel, like, you know, happiness, sadness, anger, disgust, shame, you know, guilt, love, things like that. Like, we all have those emotions, no matter what type of, you know, no matter who you love, 
no matter what, you know, where you were born, no matter what language you speak, no matter what skin tone, you know, so like you're all gonna, you know, feel these emotions in some way, shape or form. So I think like, you know, if we can connect from that and then start connecting on, you know, even other pieces too, like, you know, just like, you know, based on culture, you know, based on things that, you know, we like and love to like, like, so I know for me, like I love, you know, anything, anything nerdy, you know, like, so like video games, anime, especially like, you know, like any, and like, like, like anywhere that any people that connect with that, like those are my people. You watching? So no matter watching, what, no matter what you do, who you are, like you like, if you like stuff like that. I'm into it. You watching so, Demon Slayer? Say you watching Demon Slayer? Oh, I have, I have, you know, it's funny. I haven't caught up. I haven't caught up yet. Um, what? I it's I, I started the first episode, but then I was like, I, I think it was, it was like when the first episode came out, and it was a little slow. I was like, all right, let me let me watch something watch else. So I was watching. Watch I was watching uh, Black Clover. Oh, Black I just. Clover's my all right, we're going to nerd out after this. Let me go ahead and close this out. Is there anything oh, yeah, else that yeah. you want to leave us with <laughs> before I let you go? Um, Yeah, so let me see. I don't have – I'm thinking – I know this part of me wants to pull for, like, something, like, bright and inspirational. I think, you know, we've said enough here. I just appreciate – thank you, Courtney, for, you know, bringing me on here. I just slid in your DMs, like, yo, like, I'm, I'm available whenever you want. Like, what's happening? Yeah. So I pre- appreciate that, and I think, like, you know – um. If there's any questions, I can always. If anybody wants to, like, you know, like reach out and talk to me specifically, um, there'll be. I guess I can throw you a link, a sh- link to my LinkedIn. Yeah. You know that I can also throw throw you my link, my email as well. Yep. Um, and yeah, if there's any like professional inquiries or anything, like if anybody wants to, like, you know, reach out and just like, ask any questions about what I've I've said today, uh, I can always like do that too. So, but you know, just thank you for having me. Perfect, this is really man. cool. Thank you. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People with Dr. Rob. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share, and donate to this nonprofit slash podcast. If you like what you're hearing in this series, please reach out. Like, let's get some dialogue going. I know that these few episodes that center around queerness, blackness, and manliness, or I guess we can say uh, gender identity because I would like to also be able to speak with people who identify as women about these topics as well then reach out like let's 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 connect let's touch base I want to have this discussion because it's the more that I speak to it the more people I'm welcoming in who just don't have language like even as we talk through it I'm sure you know you probably heard something that made you cringe if you're someone who's in a queer space or if you're someone who's white or if you're someone who's black and listening to this like something might have set you off or turned you off join the conversation correct us like let's help us get down the right path of being able to connect with one another all right till next time I can be found on Instagram Twitter Tumblr and Reddit at H on my chest stay sex positive